Let's stand up. Just uh, kind of change positions a little bit uh, before I preach the everlasting gospel. <laughs> Probably not. I hope not. Before I, it's a, uh, it's a privilege to be here. Um, my family and I consider this our home church, and uh, we're very grateful for Pastor Larry and all the leadership here to uh, let us be part. And so uh, I covet your prayers. Nobody can say much of any value unless God helps them. And so uh, I appreciate you praying for me. You may be seated. Um, I'm going to read in a few moments from 1 Samuel, the third chapter. Uh, I... Uh, appreciate what Phil said, and I appreciate what he's doing in terms of uh, apprentice. That's a very good model, and um, I, I pray that uh, God will bless that as uh, you all are part of an apprenticeship. I, I want to uh, talk to you tonight about learning to listen, and um I could call this the confessions of a poor listener because I'm not going to talk down to anybody tonight, but I want to share some things that have been on my heart, and I want to read from 1 Samuel, the third chapter. In a few moments, I'll read a couple of verses out of Luke 8, but 1 Samuel 3, familiar to all of us, I'm sure, from the New King James Version. Verse 1, now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation. And it came to pass at that time, while Eli was lying down in his place, and when his eyes had begun to grow so dim that he could not see, and before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord, where the ark of God was, and while Samuel was lying down, that the Lord called Samuel, and he answered, Here I am. So he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you call me. And he said, I did not call. Lie down again. And he went and lay down. Then the Lord called yet again, Samuel. So Samuel rose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you call me. And he answered, I did not call my son, lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time, and he rose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you did call me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord had called the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and it shall be, if he calls you, that you must say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood. The Lord came and stood and called as if at other times. Samuel, Samuel, and Samuel answered, Speak, for your servant hears. Then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do something in Israel at which both ears of everyone who hears it 
will tingle. I'll stop there and go over to the book of Luke and read verse 18 and verse 21. Now therefore take heed how you hear. For whoever has, to him more will be given. Whoever does not have, even what he seems to have, will be taken from him. Verse 21. But he answered and said to them, My mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. Learning to listen. Uh, men generally are not good listeners. I, I, I hesitate to speak on something like this in the presence of wives because they'll elbow their husbands. <laughs> and um, if you, you're married or, you know, you've got a close friend who's a lady, you've probably been told you're not listening. A couple went to a marriage counselor, and the counselor said to the man, your wife tells me that you did not buy her flowers. And he said, I did not even know she sold flowers. <laughs> and there are a lot of those <laughs> kind of stories. I won't go into all of them, but uh, there are a lot of them. And uh, a <laughs> woman told her husband, said, why don't you do like our neighbor? He buys his wife cards and flowers and chocolates. And he said, why would I do that? I don't even know that woman. Anyway, <laughs> um, we're notorious for not listening. And we'll talk about some of the reasons why people don't hear. But um, I have a lot of personal experience with not listening uh, I have ADD, I'm a type A person, and I've been told by people that I love, <laughs> you don't listen very well. <laughs> Not lately, but uh, <laughs> but I have been told. I lost a very important speaking contest one time, many years ago, because I didn't hear the instructions. And I... Uh, I did well, except I didn't follow the instructions. Not only that, I embarrassed the judge in front of a thousand people, but that didn't help either. But sensitivity to hearing is more critical than we realize. Samuel was dedicated to the Lord by a mother who couldn't have children, and God gave her Samuel. And she took him to serve the Lord, and he served Eli, who was priest at that time. And um, he was just a child, and he was being apprenticed. Now, uh, the Scripture says that he heard God and thought it was Eli. Not once, but three times. I wonder how many of us have ever heard God and thought it was somebody else. It's very important that you know who's talking to you, that if it's God and he's saying something to you, it's not just a good sermon or 
somebody who's saying something to you, but it's God using somebody to speak. Now, not only that, but what God told him required courage. What God told him was the house of Eli was going to be destroyed because Eli had tolerated a lot of immorality right there at the tabernacle and had not corrected his sons who were priests. And so God had enough of it. I I wonder sometimes if God doesn't say things that we're afraid to say. I wonder if we don't tailor our message to what people want to hear instead of what God's really saying. And if that's the case, that's a sad situation. Now, he learned, and I appreciate again that Phil referenced this, there are two ways you can learn. Now, there's more, but there are two I'll mention. One is you can learn by failure to know who's talking, uh, not hearing it. The other is you can learn from a mentor, somebody who helps you to understand And these two ways, how many of you know we learn a lot by failure if we allow ourselves to? I think probably we learn more by failure than we do by success. It's what we learn from our failures that enable us to succeed. And so he learned, and not only did he learn, but he was faithful with what he heard, which is a critical thing. Because I believe if we hear and we're not faithful to do what we heard, God stops talking. I'm that way. If I talk to somebody, something that I think is important, and I tell them several times, and they don't respond, it doesn't make an impact, I stop talking. And I think you're the same way too. After a while, if a person doesn't pay attention you learn you're wasting your breath and you stop talking. Well, God was that way before we were born. And God loves it when people hear. When people don't hear after a while, he just quits talking. And when he does, bad things happen because he's here to help us and to guide us. And if we're going to be servants of his word, we have to say what he says, whether it's pleasing or not. And I'm glad when it is. Uh, I'm scared when it's not. <laughs> but I want to be faithful because when I was ordained, and anybody who's been ordained probably had this experience, I was handed a Bible and charged from First Timothy 4, I believe, to preach the word, to preach all of it. And um, I can't, uh, my piano can't have just one note. I have to use all the keys. And sometimes that's wonderful. Sometimes uh, you just assume somebody else deliver it. But his hearing and obeying was vital because later he was going to anoint kings. And he, of course, anointed David. And our Lord is called the son of David. How important was it for him to 
anoint a king that our our Lord would be called a son of. Um, he was critical, and if you know his life, and I'm sure most of you are familiar with it, um, you know that he lived a very vital life in the transition between the judges and the kings. And he's the guy who was in the transition, who appointed king, Saul and later David. But something else happened. His hearing was good, and he went down to Jesse's house because the Lord told him to go that he was going to anoint a king there. He got down there, and all the sons lined up except David. And David was the youngest, and usually the youngest wasn't in line for an important position. And he was out tending sheep. And Samuel looked at Eliab, who looked good. He had the image. And he was getting ready to anoint him, the king, which would have been logical because he was the oldest. He looked good. And the Lord said no. He heard that no. He said, I've not chosen him. He said, man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. In effect, he said, the one I want to anoint's not here. Ask him about it. Now, he's, that's acute hearing. Um, there are those who have a gift that we call the word of knowledge that hear and say things that are astounding. I've heard some of those where people would name names of people they didn't know or name a disease or name a situation. And when that happens, it's uh, awesome. And uh, I have been in such situations. And so here's a man who is a little boy, maybe five years old, maybe less, I don't know. But he learned to hear God by making mistakes and by having a mentor. And his hearing became so acute and his willingness to do what God said was so courageous that he was chosen to anoint the greatest king Israel ever had and who's famous to this day and more referred to in Bible reading probably than anyone else. And so Samuel was trained to hear the Lord. And that, I think it's First Samuel sixteen seven, where he said, don't look on the outward appearance. I had a friend who's a welder, he's a blue-collar guy, very successful, by the way, a good welder, trains others how to weld, and we mail back and forth from time to time. And he, he said, Brother Charles, the Lord has rebuked me for looking at the container and not the content. And I thought that was a profound statement because we're all prone to look at the container and think that's where the content is. When in fact, often the content is hidden in an unseemly container. And we're bad about choosing Eliab's in our society when God is calling us to see beyond appearance 
and see into the heart, see spirit, see see the motivation and the intents, the scripture says, as God does. He sees the intents of the heart. And so, um, so much of the future depends upon our ability to hear the Lord and make the right choices. We all learn, hopefully by error, but don't live in it. Everything, everything in the future depends upon our hearing the Lord in the present because he's our God. If you read, there's so many scriptures. I began to look at scriptures on this topic, and, and it's just a lot. But in Deuteronomy 28, he gives blessings and curses. It's a classic chapter on the choice. And both begin with, if you hear, the blessings of the Lord will overtake you. If you do not hear, these things will happen to you that are bad. And so hearing is the, it's the fork in the road. And uh, I think we've all failed here. Thank God there is uh, a remedy. We can learn from that. Why do we fail to listen? Um, I'll just name some things. And I do this not to be negative, but rather to help us to be aware of our inability to listen as much as we want to. One thing I'll say is it takes time. When I, when I first, and when I first began in the ministry, um, you could go a long time. And when the charismatic movement started back in the sixties, People would come and sit for an hour, two hours, and listen if they were being fed. Now we we we're we're accustomed to a commercial every eight minutes or less. What are the odds of getting content when you turn on the the news as opposed to a commercial? <laughs> and uh, what's happened is our attention span has been conditioned. To be shorter. And it happens to us all the time. It takes time. And uh, most men uh, are planning ahead. They're thinking that we're made that way. Our brain is built that way. We're protectors. Uh, we're, we're, we're activists by nature, breadwinners and all that. Another reason that I'll, I'll just mention, and, and this surprised me, is that focus takes energy. It takes more energy to focus than it does to talk. Whenever you focus intently to learn, your heart rate goes up. I didn't know that. But it explains perhaps why many times we don't listen like we need to. I read this article, and, and the guy, I can't remember the name of it, but the guy says the average listener is only 25% effective, which means we get about one quarter on average 
of what's really being said. Did you ever look back and realize you missed a clue? <laughs> well, I see you have. You're laughing and it's healthy. Go ahead. That's right. Another reason we don't listen well is we're distracted. Now, I have ADD, so that that's even worse. Um, I can hear the crickets outside. If I could hear good, I could. I uh, used to. And, and, and things come into your mind that have nothing to do with what's being said. And uh, we say, uh-huh, a lot when we're not listening. <laughs> Ask your wife if that's true. Anyway, uh, so it takes time, it takes energy, and it takes focus because we're distracted. Here's another reason is that we tend to f- focus on speaking and not listening. Our, our culture is a verbal culture. When a child speaks early, we think that's wonderful. Um, and it's a sign sometimes of intelligence, but what's going on is we commend them speaking, not necessarily listening. How many children do you know that are good listeners? And uh, are applauded for listening. Well, I've I've never taken a course on listening. I don't know if colleges offer a course on listening. I should have taken it if they did, but maybe they did and I just didn't listen. I don't know. (laughs) I've never been in a listening contest. I don't know of any place where there are listening contests. I, I suppose there are some type of test of listening, but we don't focus there. We focus on the verbal side of relationships. Another reason we don't listen is we're thinking about what we're going to say when they get through. If they just shut up, I've got something important to say. <laughs> but the thing is, we learn by listening, not by talking. The vast majority of what you and I learn, we learn from hearing or reading, which is a form of hearing. We don't learn really by talking. We learn from teachers, coaches, maybe even friends, as we listen. Another reason, and I won't go on with this much longer, but another reason we don't listen is we fail to honor the people that are talking. Listening is probably the biggest honor you can pay somebody. If there's somebody you respect, one reason for introductions is to get people to listen. So you build somebody up and you're saying, this is somebody you ought to listen to. But if you don't honor the person and respect is a form of honor, you're not likely to listen to them. You may endure it, 
but you can't play back anything they said. And even if a person's not saying anything profound, we can learn things about them by listening. But more than likely, there are things we can learn from what they're saying. So listening is an honor. Now, I'm blessed. Most pastors are when people listen. Um, the, the problem we have, and I'll touch on this a little bit, is that people listen to evaluate the message rather than to receive it. And I'll talk about how you know somebody heard in a moment. We live in a self-esteem culture, and that's the beginning of our problems. Self-esteem is a religion in our culture. It's a psychological favorite. I've, I've downplayed self-esteem and had people get up and walk out. It's a, it's a law to many people. They start by saying, if you don't love yourself, how can you love other people? Love your neighbor as yourself. So it's twisted. It's not about loving your neighbor. It's about loving yourself so you can love your neighbor. The more you love yourself, you have to be careful because self-love is not a biblical idea. Self-death is a biblical idea. In fact, James says, esteem others better than yourself. Humility is a biblical virtue. So if we don't honor other people, then we don't listen to them and we place a higher value on our own thoughts and um, prefer that to hearing others. The Bible says we can learn from a child. And we can. Um, sometimes we don't like what we're learning, <laughs> but we can learn. Uh, now I want to move into hearing the Holy Spirit. You see, if we don't learn to listen to Eli, how are we going to listen to the Lord? If, if we don't learn to listen in our culture, how are we going to listen in the Spirit? Now, we all know that listening to the Holy Spirit is far and away more important than anybody else. But the fact is, you have to learn how to listen. And sometimes God is talking through people and we don't hear it. Tomorrow, I mean Sunday perhaps, I will use this analogy and pardon me if you come back and you hear it again. But God has hidden the plan like pieces of a puzzle in other people. And you're not going to, you're not going to find the piece that you need until you find the person that is hidden in. And that's something I felt the Lord dealt with me about. I'm not complete within myself. Maybe it's a coach that gave me a piece. Maybe it's a teacher that gave me a piece. Maybe it's a pastor. Maybe it's my, my friend, or 
Maybe it's my wife, but they brought something to my life that I would not have been complete without. Pardon? Maybe it's an enemy. Absolutely. Sometimes an enemy is the only one that will tell you the truth. And um, I, I believe that uh, that God wants us to listen, even if we don't receive the spirit of something, we can receive a word or we can get something from it. Um, well, as I said, Samuel's hearing was critical. It was critical to Israel. It's critical to us. It's critical that he didn't anoint Eliab. It's critical. We don't know how critical our hearing is. We don't know. We don't know how many lives we might touch or might be touching. Um, we don't know the cost of a failure to hear. Most of us have anointed an Eliab sometime in our life, so to speak. Um, another thing <clears throat> that I'll, I'll mention, in hearing the Holy Spirit, don't let your prayers be a one-way conversation. When I first started pastoring, I was 20 years old, and I was by no means prepared, but God was merciful. <clears throat> and the church, <coughs> excuse me, thank you. The church had had seven, had five pastors in seven years. So you could see there was some turmoil. And um, it had gone down from a high of 130 people to 32 people when I came. And um, the reason they they called me is because they couldn't afford anybody else. And I, I told the, the deacons, I said, if I was any good, I'd have a better church. If you were any good, you'd have a better pastor. But <laughs> if you won't tell, I won't tell. And so we got along quite well. The church was split even with 32 people. There was a man who wanted to be the pastor, and there was a woman who, in effect, really was. And she was a manipulator, and he, anyway, I won't go into details. I'm not trying to be critical, but there was an undercurrent in the church. It only takes two people to have a split. In fact, sometimes I think even one can. Anyhow, um, <clears throat> and this lady had a habit, a gift, as it were, that very few people have. She could get her breath when you weren't expecting it. And at the appropriate time when you thought she would have a breath, she ran right on into the next topic. And she would call me, and now this is in the days before cell phones, and uh, I was living with my parents because my dad's church was seven miles from this church, and I lived there until I married three years later. So I, I was being mentored while I was pastoring, thank God. And this lady would call me on the phone and 
hello was the last word I got in. And um, she would talk, and I would be going, uh, uh, uh. Now, when she got through, she didn't say goodbye, because that would have given me a chance to say goodbye. And then I had two words in the conversation. (laughs) She just dropped the receiver when she was through. Now, I had a bad temper. I was a fighter. I boxed. I I never wanted to be a preacher. And... um, I, I I didn't have a temperament for it. And I had thoughts of wrapping the cord around her neck and pulling it real tight. <laughs> I had other thoughts I won't go into. And so I was complaining to the Lord about this lady who had been instrumental in changing pastors. And the Lord spoke to me. He said, I'm glad you noticed that. He said, that's what your prayer life is like. I thought, oh my goodness. Dear Father, amen. And he gets nothing in between. Now, because we know how to pray doesn't mean that we are hearing anything. Now, I don't mean to say that you need to stop here and there in your prayer But you need to listen while you're talking. We need to. Now, I'm going to say this. I I don't know how to say what I want to say, but we're in a place where, in my lifetime, we never need needed to listen more than we do right now. We're in a crisis more than a virus. We are, we are going into narrow places and as Christians, we're walking in places we've never walked before. Christianity is not a status. It's not a membership. It's a trip. It's a journey. It's an adventure. He is our guide, which means we're going somewhere. We're moving somewhere. And it's incredibly important for us to hear his voice. If you're in a strange and dangerous land and you're given a guide, the odds are you're going to stay pretty close to that guide. And that would be the wise thing. So don't let your prayer life be a one-way communication. In fact, not just when you you and I are praying, but through the day, keep an ear out for God. You don't know when he might say something, whom he might use to say something, and where that something might take you. Now, to me, that's exciting. I enjoy it. I think the worst thing Christians can do is think they know what they're doing. And the danger of repetition is we can do it without thinking about it. The scripture is so full of references. Like draw nigh to me with your mouth, but your heart is far from me. Isaiah 29 
other places, Matthew 15, Ezekiel 33, same phrase. I've done it. Most of us have. The danger of ritual is that you can do it without thinking about it. You can preach without thinking about it. You can lead worship. You can pray. You can go through the motions without your heart being in it. I'm not saying that that's frequently done, but it is a possibility. We develop habits. How do you know someone heard you? Suppose you are a mentor or you are giving advice, which, by the way, is not uh, the most appreciated thing in the world. How do you know somebody heard you? Yeah. So the response is not just in agreement. It's in obedience. It's in what's done. I'm not all that interested in what people say. You can get put off by what somebody says. I'm really interested in what they do. And sometimes they say no, but they do yes. Sometimes they say yes, but they do no. In fact, the scripture points out such a parable. And so it's response, not simply amen, but doing it. I, I played football and when I was in high school. I'm not a big guy. In fact, the coach said, Simpson, you're little, but you're slow. <laughs> and, um, but I, I did, I did believe it or not, play guard. And, um, we won two championships and that was before I was delivered of evil spirits. Anyway, I, uh, I love football. I loved our coach. We had a great coach. And um, he was he was a disciplinarian. He didn't put up with any stuff. Now this that was in a day when coaches could be that way. And uh, <clears throat> and Ralph, who was a couple of grades ahead of me, played halfback. Now I don't call it halfback, but they call it halfback then. And um, we had a play called One Right, which ran around in and had good blocking. It was kind of team right. And um, Ralph ran over in instead of around in. Coach said, we're going to run it again. <laughs> he said, Ralph, <laughs> around in. Ralph ran it. Over in again. He said, Ralph, <laughs> around in. He said, I ran around in. Now, that was one of the most terrible accidents I ever saw in my life. I mean, he kicked Ralph in the behind. A coach would have been jailed for doing that now and took him right off the field. Now, Ralph learned about running over in as opposed to around in 
And the fear of God fell on the whole team. Um, I can't imagine a pastor doing that. Uh, I mean, I don't mean running around in. I mean kicking a guy in the behind because he didn't listen. But the fact is, we have been reduced to man-pleasers an awful lot. And so people don't learn. They hear, but they don't listen. They aren't bad people. They're good people. They may tithe. They probably love the Lord. They sing songs they like. Good songs. A lot of it's hyperbole. It's a notch or two above reality, but you can't, it's hard to deal with that. The most frustration in my ministry, and now it's 63 years, actually 65 years from when I was licensed, is getting the church out of the church. And people love it if you bring a good message and they come back and do it all again. And never reach out to a lost person. Not everybody, thank God, that's not true of everybody, but it's true of too many. As far as making a disciple or mentoring somebody, they never have done that. Now, I've learned that saying more about it doesn't change it. That's a frustrating thing. I find myself more effective out of the church than I do in the church. Now, I love the church, and I'm not a critic of the church. Thank God I wouldn't want to live in a city without churches. It's the best thing we got going. But I'm telling you, we lost the culture while we were in church. And you know we've lost the culture. We lost our young people while we were in church. And we made them come to church, and then they quit coming to church. And the, quote, educational system has taken many of them in a different direction. Great tragedy. Weeping tragedy. Now, what do we do? Well, listen to the Holy Spirit. What's he saying? You know, and I think Phil alluded to this. There are people out there that need help. And given an opportunity, they'll let you know that. I'll say this, and and, and I say I was going to quit. Anyway, (laughs) that pastor said, now as I continue to close. Do you think that the world thinks of Christians as good listeners? I think we're thinking about what we're going to say to them when we get the chance. I think the best way to build a relationship with somebody is not by advising them. Now, I'm telling you, I'm a pathological advice giver. I'm sorry to say it. I want to help people. But people don't want advice. 
They want somebody they can talk to. I believe that maybe the best evangelism ahead is listening to people and letting them say whatever they want to say without blowback or correction. Now, I believe if we are good listeners, the time will come when they might listen to us. But it starts by us listening. And I confess, I'm not a good listener. I'm learning. I'm trying. I, I, I reached out to a lesbian because my my wife taught her in Sunday school when she was just a child. And I love her family. And we were, we were making pretty good progress. Went to lunch. And then I said something. I said, I don't think you really are a lesbian. And uh, I didn't hear from her. You know, I should have shut up. I don't think, well, that's beside the point. She was, but I I don't think that was a nature thing with her. She had two children by artificial. She was a mother. But I couldn't resist saying what a good preacher would say eventually. Now, that's not the only time in my life when I ever pushed somebody away by giving them what I thought was good advice. Should you never give? No, I'm not saying that. When they want to know, they'll let you know. In the meantime, we have to learn how to listen. Not just to people like that. People we're estranged from. We've got a tremendous racial divide in our nation because we don't know how to listen to each other. I, I, I don't buy into what people are saying. I'm just saying if we don't hear, we haven't earned the right to speak. I would suggest speaking is up to God. You can't make God speak. Listening is up to us. Create a quiet time. Mine usually is in the morning. Whenever. Create a quiet time. Where you're you're not thinking about your agenda. You're not thinking about getting your Bible reading done. You're not thinking about what kept you awake last night? Just be, the Bible says, be still and know that I'm God. The awe of God is the beginning of wisdom. Do you ever just sit and think about what kind of a God do we have? A God who created 200, 250 billion galaxies with 100 to 200 million stars. Who are you talking to? Who are you telling what he ought to be doing? 
The awe of God is the beginning of wisdom. There's stars out there that make our sun look like a grapefruit. Oh, God. Be still and know. That sets up the honor that causes us to listen when he talks. I have an app, a Bible app, and the guy reads it to me. I like to read the Bible, but I like to listen. And while he's talking, a line or a verse will will hit me, sometimes really hard. And I'll write that text down. I may never go back again, but but I registered the fact that I heard something. And I hope it affected me. Listen. The coach was teaching teamwork. And so he took a member of the team and blindfolded him and stood him up on a box. And the team gathered around beside him and behind him. And he said, you got to learn to trust the team. Now I want you to fall. And he fell forward. Anyway, 